Hello, hello. Hi, Katie. Oh. Hi, Lisa Beth. How are you? I am doing awesome. Great. I have to make sure it's you. I was just in the social engineering room and now I'm completely paranoid about everything and everyone. So <laughs> a little, it's only paranoia <laughs> until like the first issue arises, right? And then it's, a, it's an advanced state of awareness. Exactly. It's so funny. It's just, you know, and as uh, you know, people in this space, I mean, you have to be able to exist in the space of, having some sense of paranoia to be good and in, in this job. Um, but it is a, it is a balance certainly. So that's, uh, just thought I'd share what I was coming from because a number of people are actually popping over from that room. That's why it was also pertinent, making sure your voice matched your, uh, your picture and, um, verifying to everybody. I have met you in person. You are indeed who you say you are. It is true. Uh, I am real. <laughs> <laughs> So as we wait for Zanette to join us, um, everyone, you know, can feel free to pop up and say hello as we're getting warmed up for the room. I see some friends in the audience, so it's always good to see you, Bob, Nate. Um, you know, it's, it's lovely to have so many friends um, joining us tonight. Maybe they're paranoid about uh, joining the <laughs> Nobody's going to jump up on the stage. <laughs> There's the guest of honor. It's good to see you tonight. Good evening. Hope you can hear me fine. Or do I have a an echo? I'm using a headset. Is it fine? Can you hear me fine? I can hear you. Yeah, no, I can hear you great. You sound okay, great cool. to me. Awesome. How are you, Katie and Lisa? We're good. I've been looking forward to this conversation for quite some time, so I'm uh, I'm really good. <laughs> okay, that's good. Likewise, me too. Looks like Tomas joined us briefly as well. I don't know, Tomas, I know you were uh, traveling today, but making you a moderator real quick. Sound check. Hey, hey, hey. What's going on, folks? Hopefully you can hear me. Sorry for the background noise if you hear any. Uh, but I am in the airport, uh, so I just wanted to join. I'll probably cut out in a little bit, but uh, thanks, Jeanette, for uh, joining us, and thanks, Katie and Elizabeth. Over to you. Thank you, Thomas. I know you told, you told me you'll be traveling, but it's good to see you. Great. Well, I think we are at the uh, top of the hour, so we can start right now. I know that there's a lot of travel going on, um, which is A-OK, -okay, but welcome to the Fireside Chat, everyone. We're glad to have you here. Um, Fireside Chat happens every Wednesday. Um, and what you need to know about the fireside chat is we have a couple of rules and we like to uh, make sure everybody knows about them. Um, first and foremost, what we discuss are our personal views and do not represent the views of any past, present or future employers. Um, this is also rule number two, a no solicitation zone. This is really for us to connect with each other. If you have a crazy, amazing product or something else that you want to sell, this isn't the venue for it. Um, 
And so please limit discussions to um, ones that are appropriate for the fireside chat. And last but not least, this is a place to have fun. It's a place to learn, educate, share, mentor, build new personal relationships. Um, the goal is really to have fun um, speaking about this profession and the topics that we are um, passionate about. So with that in mind, is there anything else that I missed, Katie? No, no, not at all. Um, no, only except that my my personal views um, and my views are of that of my employer, um, only if they're offensive to you. Um, but then if they're not offensive to you, then they're mine. And if they're brilliant, then they're mine. <laughs> I just want to make sure that there's... Love that it. Love there. it. Yeah. So... Um, <laughs> Let me um, let me start out. Um, my name is Lisa Beth Lentini Walker, and I am a compliance ethics and corporate governance strategist. I um, work as assistant general counsel at Marketo, which is a fintech company, um, and I also run a consulting firm called Lumen Worldwide Endeavors. Um, Katie, let's have you introduce yourself. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, I'm Katie Hanahan. I'm the Vice President of Cybersecurity Strategy for a Boutique SI out of Chicago, where I also run um, their vCSO program. So I am a, a CISO as well and um, a huge fan of Zanette and looking forward to the conversation. Um, but over to you, Tomas, if you're still available to make an intro. Hey, everybody. I'm Tomas Maldonado. I'm the CISO at the NFL and uh, happy that everybody made the time this evening to uh, hear Zanette's story. Uh, so, why don't maybe if you, Elizabeth and, and Katie, if you don't mind, maybe I can start and ask my first question, and then I'll pass it over to you. To you all. Okay, sounds good. I got the thumbs up. So, Zanette, you know, we're happy to have you join us. Uh, we do know a little bit about you because you've attended some of our fireside chats in the past, and we do know that you're an author. So, why don't you take an opportunity and give an introduction of yourself, and while you're doing that. Why don't you tell us about your origin story? Yeah, thank you so much. Like you said, you know, I'm a, I'm a regular on, a, on this a Wednesday night fireside chat, but because my kids usually talk loud at the same time, all four of them at once, I, I couldn't come up to the stage. <laughs> but I've been a, a really regular since I think the start, I think in the midst of the pandemic, early days. Um, yeah, thank you for having me on. But... To do um, a quick overview of an introduction, uh, my name is Zinette Kamal. I usually start, uh, I, I am a wife and a mom of four uh, between the ages of 12 and almost three. Uh, I'm also an immigrant from Ethiopia. I moved here um, nine years ago from Ethiopia, eastern part of Africa to uh, the snow in Minnesota. I should emphasize that because we don't have a snow back home. And um, I'm also a career changer uh, from a legal field because I, I had a law degree and I was um, working in the legal field uh, back home. And when we got the opportunity to move here to the U.S., um, I decided why not pursue technology, which I don't have any background. Um, so I went back to school and when I moved here, uh, it was like the snowy, um, you know, January of, of the month, I think back in uh, early 2013. And um, I was also seven months pregnant with my second one. So, and we knew no one in Minnesota because a lot of people asked me why Minnesota. Uh, that's because the only place, the only person we know from the U.S. was uh, my husband's um, high school friend 
uh, he reached out over Facebook. Uh, you know, he, we got this opportunity. We got a diversity visa. We're coming to the U.S. and uh, we don't know anybody. So she said, um, "Come over, come on over. I'll be happy to host you for four days because uh, after four days, I'm going back to Ethiopia because it's been four." It's been eight years since since she left her home. So she was going back home. So we came here, uh, but that's a, another story for another time. But um, uh, came here, settled, figured out life, uh, and then um, went back to school because, like I said, I decided to switch to technology and start over. And I went back to community college, um, did a two-year degree, and then transferred to a four-year degree afterwards. Um, never heard of cybersecurity until um, the undergrad senior year. Um, and then um, that's when I got, um, I had to take an elective class there uh, related to information security, which is always funny. I bring this up like in computer science programs back then, I guess uh, there weren't any um, cybersecurity courses offered, or I've, there weren't any curriculums dedicated to cybersecurity, at least, you know, to my knowledge at that point. So I completed my uh, bachelor's degree in computer science. Um, again, you know, had to relearn all the math and the, con the computing concepts because um, those things are not taught in, in law school. Um, and I also don't have the we don't have the access to technology and internet and that type of stuff. So it's, it's, it's much harder. Um, so yeah, that's um, like the kind of the origin of how I, how I got introduced, but I'll, I'll come back to it later if we have more questions, but I have uh, you know, a little bit degree in law, uh, associate's degree in, in, in computer programming and bachelor degree in computer science. And I'm currently pursuing my master's at Georgia Tech uh, in cybersecurity because, okay, now after graduation, I learned about dedicated programs. <laughs> related to cybersecurity. So um, let's go for it. And then I, I uh, so I'm three courses away from completing that program. Hopefully by the end of um, spring 2023, I'll be done. Um, I also, uh, I'm a, uh, in a board uh, at a nonprofit. I think you had the founder as a guest before, Talia Parker, uh, a Black Girls in Cyber. Um, what else? Um, and I'm also a children's book author. I forgot about that one. <laughs> Yeah, so a little bit of an introduction. Awesome, awesome. Thank you for that, Zanette. Over to you. Go ahead, Katie. Okay, I, he said, all I heard was over to you, and I thought... Well, that's what I heard, too. <laughs> okay, and I'm like, well, it's, uh, there's not many of us here on stage. Yeah, you're so, right. <laughs> uh, and so, hi, Zena. You know, I, I appreciate, um, you know, your, your backstory. Um, you know, started following you. Um, I think most, I, I, really, you know, you being in the room all the time, um, you um, also then, you know, taking advantage of the time that you had, which is apparently not that much. I mean, any, anyone who has a lot of kids like I do as well knows that, you know, spare time is not really anything that's spare. It's time that's made for something that is a passion of yours. And I, I really th thought it was interesting. And some of the um, pieces when you have been able to jump on stage for a couple of uh, minutes to share with, uh, with us how you leaned into that 
that extra time when you were uh, working from home and and learning from the, the clubhouse community and others about how to uh, write a book. Um, I you know I'd love to dig more into your origin story as well, but I just am so inspired by that personally that I would be remiss if I didn't start there. I just think it's just it's a it's so uh you know not just inspirational but just it's, it's a lot of it's brave to to put yourself out there like that and to go and to be able to be diligent enough to find the resources and find the right connections people to go do that and publish a book so can you tell us more about what that where that came from for you how um you know how you were able to accomplish that and do you have any more you know books on the horizon that we should be paying attention to all right yeah thank you katie i um so the book i never wrote any book before uh like i said you know um uh, okay of course besides uh school projects that was pretty much so um it was really the inspiration is coming from my kids and my kids questions right over time uh my my oldest is 12 but since he was kindergarten he used to bring this question about you know uh mom where do i have like uh, this black hair and why is it different from henry you know like this type of questions and then my daughters as they grow old they wear the hijab the headscarf and then they would bring in like you know my friend asked me about this and then i told her and then i would tell them you know the questions that they have like that 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 brought up the the first book which is proud in her hijab so that was meant to uh, create awareness for readers uh to appreciate cultural differences because it has some perspective of you know Ethiopian food mentioned in there, and then also introducing about um, the people who might be looking different from you, like because a lot of the stereotypes and um, the assumptions come from the media or not knowing, honestly, especially with kids. So I thought, oh, this might serve as you know creating awareness of what hijab is and what we're wearing it um, uh, as part of a, you know a religion. Uh, a lot of people would say that it's a cultural thing, but it's really about getting used to uh, for younger kids how to you know wear the the headscarf. But the other aspect of it is you know empowering girls who choose to wear the hijab to be proud of themselves. Um, and and I, I decided you know all of a sudden I'm going to teach myself how to self-publish and then publish the book. I'm not going to, I barely leave my house. I mean, I've been working from home for quite some time and I enjoy uh, being at home more. Um, so I, I said, you know, um, I'm not going to knock doors uh, for traditional publishing. So I'm just going to teach myself. So that was the reason why I hopped onto this app. <laughs> just, uh, I think at that time when I joined, it was on invite only. So I had a friend uh, from grad school, he invited me uh, and I joined and I started listening to rooms where authors were sharing. I don't see those rooms that much nowadays. I don't know why it's because, you know, people were back to almost normal stuff. So um, there were more in the rooms sharing that type of thing. So I used to teach myself when I was, you know, cooking in the kitchen or after work or while braiding my girl's hair. I would just listen in and just learn the process. So I joined some challenge um, and that came across also uh, through Clubhouse. I, I, you know, do you want to write your book in five days? And like, it seems so daunting. I thought I have graduate school and I have work with the kids. I don't know how to do that, but uh, we're doing it. Because if I have something in my mind, um, if I don't do something about it that same day, like it really itches me and it really bothers me, I'd rather get, um, do the thing that needed to be done and get tired while doing it than um, holding in my mind and just making my brain tired. That's, that's just me. It's, it's crazy sometimes. But 
uh, it helps me get things done. So I said, you know, I'm going to do that. And then I did the challenge and that's how the first book came about. Uh, and I launched it on E-Day. And I think a lot of the, I, I didn't have any marketing strategy. I didn't even know that you'd have to market a book after you write it. I just meant to get the message out. And it was just uh, a great story for ages six to 14. And um, people were purchasing it through our social media and stuff. That's the only outlet we have uh, between my husband and myself. And a lot of people purchased it that day become bestseller i guess and then um the second book came about um again you know the kids you never run out of inspiration when you have four kids uh again in the midst of the pandemic they were playing a lot of online games they're gamers um the boys and the girls and they got hacked i think more than two occasions two of my kids and it was first my son and then the, the other time it was my daughter so um, you know, just tell them, you know, like uh, being working in cybersecurity, I mean, you would have some uh, things that you know that you, you we would advise for adults, you know, like, but I would tell them that, but I, it just struck me that um, we're quick to give them the, the devices and the tablets, but I, we don't really teach them about how to be safe online. Like we try to give them advice on how to be safe, not to talk to strangers. And when you cross the street, look left and right, but we don't think that those risks are still out there uh, in the digital world, um, I, I, at least as a parent, that that's what strikes me. Like, if this is happening here, I think it must be happening somewhere else. And I, in the midst of the pandemic, I also started to see like a lot of the Facebook mom groups. Uh, I would be seeing, you know, kids getting hacked and saying that, mom, please replace my you know, avatar, because I lost everything. And they were showing pictures of their kids crying and, you know, like, what's going on? And then um, that is what brought up Oh No Hacked Again. Uh, that is the title of the second book, we, which got launched this year. Um, same age group and all of the characters in the book are my kids, uh, including their names, because I also believe that I think having a representation of their names and, and and characters that look like them being represented in the literatures that they read is also important. So. That's what uh, brought up the second book. And uh, it, the main two messages, I guess, for that book is one, teaching kids the importance of online safety, password security. Uh, how do we uh, part in some important messages about um, enabling multi-factor authentication, even if in the games that we usually tend to assume that, you know, kids are kids. They don't know. It's too early to teach them about security. But I don't think so, because once you connect them to the Internet, they're vulnerable. I think we should um, start at, you know, the earlier, the better. Uh, I mean, they start playing this game since they were five, uh, no matter how much, you know, screen limits we can put in. I think what would be more serving them well would be to empower them with the knowledge they need so that, you know, when we're not watching over them, they will be, you know, aware how to protect themselves, not to fall for, you know, phishing links. Those are the things that are mentioned in the book. I can recall, I haven't done author visit recently, but um, also limiting screen time. If you tell a kid to, you know, play only for two hours, they will never listen to you, especially in the pandemic. They were playing a lot more because that was their own their only social network uh, avenue because they weren't going anywhere and it, the book was written at that point at that time and um, I think it's easier to communicate that to um, something that they can relate to whenever I go for author visits to schools if I 
mentioned like who who plays online games everybody else raises their hand and they listen and the the, the game that is mentioned in the book is fictitious it's called Zokanda but they immediately once they start hearing they know which game I'm talking about so they can relate to it so um those are the inspirations and uh, the two uh, the messages for the two books hope I answer that question well absolutely yeah and you know just in, in that uh empowerment you know um being able to empower them to make the the right decisions and also the empowerment of being able to see themselves represented in 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 children's books it's interesting too because um you just helped me a lot you just helped me prep i have to be the mystery teacher um for a 20-minute lesson on um friday for my fourth grader and i'm bringing your book with me as as well um i'm doing a little cybersecurity lesson <laughs> so i wanted to also just thank you for for you know creating a book that i can bring into a school and um so it makes me feel a little less nervous i don't get nervous about this wednesday night um conversation that we have or rooms where we have 700 people i am terrified to go speak to a room full of 18 fourth graders that includes my son so uh well done for you to be able to go in and, and, and do that <laughs> in schools they, those kids scare me <laughs> they are scary because they are, they ask really hard questions they ask really hard questions and you know usually it's it's been great so far you know i'm not a public speaker i i try to avoid it unless i get asked multiple times but uh, you know with author visits usually I, I kind of know their language because, you know, I have different group ages myself. So, you know, I run it usually by the kids. Um, I usually ask them, even when I draft the two books, I usually like, uh, my son is very honest. Uh, at the same time, he, I mean, he'll tell you how he feels, but he's very, um, he looked at it and he said, of course, this would be a book that, I, you know, I would read it every night. He never read it afterwards. He said, like, it's too much. Like, I've read it too many times, like for other kids who didn't read it. But it, it helps me uh, understand and, and talk to them. But they, the only thing is, like, they frequently stop you to tell you stories of how it happened to them or uh you know just asking questions multiple times but it can be terrifying sometimes you're right well it can and so that's why i'm very thankful that i at least have um, your book to bring in to help guide the conversation so thank you for that and thank you for that backstory and uh what a great clubhouse collaboration story as well i think that's and that's where i met you and um you know and i'm so thankful for it so with that i will uh, pass the mic over to lisa beth lentini walker another author on the stage uh to carry on the conversation lisa beth Yes, thank you, thank you, Zanette. You know I am a fan. Um, I am I'm so excited to see that you're going to be joining us tonight. So I guess my question for you is, you know, I, I have four children too. Um, and one of the things that I'm always concerned about is what can we be doing in teaching our children as well as teaching the workplace in terms of how to be better stewards of the human beings that we are uh, responsible for, whether it's our communities or the organizations we work with. I would love to hear your take on it. I love that you're educating about security, but what else can we be doing? Yeah, um, I mean, uh, going back to the basics, I would say, because I think a lot of the things that we neglect as as simple as, you know, enabling multi-factor authentication uh, when it comes to user education, like we get a lot of 
information, especially in October where it's uh, Cybersecurity Awareness Month. But um, we tr we tend to neglect those basic things. I think if we get you know start implementing those um, and rotating your password and not reusing password among our applications, which I'm guilty of, and you know, and then. Um, and not being able to use, um, you know, um, password managers. Those some of the things that we should be implementing, and I think would have pre prevented a lot of the major things that we're facing. Um, and and with kids especially, um, I mean, the community, even like parents. I recently I was preparing a talk for some uh, for a November, and I I was looking at only thirty percent of parents are aware about online safety or talk to the kids. I, I even think that that number is good still. Thirty percent is a lot, but um, I, I, we we tend to think that um, our data isn't that valuable for for the bad hackers. Uh, we tend to neglect the basics. I think going back to the basics of security and cyber hygiene could um, help us um, with a lot of the things that could be preventable in terms of you know educating the users because it it, it can I, I don't really like the part where people say that like humans are the weakest links but we can also make them or empower them to or educate them to the point that they become the first line of defense for our data be it a corporate businesses individuals because these things are not about you know, only the career, especially with the next generation. It's about how do we instill that security mindset to so that they can implement it to their own personal life because everything is going online. Everything we're we're we're, we're conducting our educations online, the shopping and everything. I'm, I'm sure the numbers uh, must show it, like post COVID and and, and pre COVID. And so it's a um, it's it's a lot of. Um, um, implementing user education in um, not in a boring way. I, I know a lot of people complain about <laughs> corporate use of user education not being boring or something that to check the box. But I think if we can make those things, those areas in cybersecurity more interesting, I think we could be preventing a lot more uh, things um, that would prevent major even hacks um, in our personal life as well as um, in, in, to businesses as well. That's terrific. Thank you so much for sharing um, those insights. And um, I think we all have an opportunity to make a difference in the communities that we are part of, whether it's our businesses or um, the communities where we bring our families, et cetera. So thanks for that, Sunet. And Anil, I'm gonna turn it over to you. Thanks, Lisa. Uh, Zanette, definitely enjoyed hearing your origin story. Wanted to go back and touch upon, you know, some of your experiences over a short period of time, had some great exposure to a vast variety of roles, experiences, board level opportunities. Can you touch upon, you know, where that drive comes from and also how that shaped your viewpoint of how you engage, whether it's in a board role or otherwise in a leadership capacity uh, with the different organizations you serve? Yeah, thanks, Anil. I, um, like I said, you know, I, I came across security, uh, you know, at the very end tell of uh, my undergrad doing computer science, because at that point, I didn't even know where I was going, because we were taking a lot of programming classes and math classes and a lot of things, but I wasn't still seeing where I would be fitting in the workforce, especially coming from a different continent, uh, because at that point, uh, by the time I graduated, I, I had my third 
um, child and you know it was only school and school and um, home right and I would take my classes most of them either online or it's either a nighttime when my husband comes home um, to, for me to leave right and then uh, it was at that time like that exposure that I got getting participated in the cyber defense competition representing the university those are the things that gave me exposure and you mentioned that I was able to um, progress my career uh, within this short period of time because I have not been um, uh, long within the industry, relatively newer because uh, it's um, four to five years because um, it's at the end of 2017 that I was exposed to that cyber defense competition, uh, just knowing that uh, pursuing a number of certifications uh, for graduating and I think having the internship experience uh, the certifications and having had, you know, that passion, because you asked that, where is that coming from? Um, I think once I knew my passion is to uh, to be in the cybersecurity space, um, I, I think I never stopped. It was just a continuous learner, how you know how the industry is, you have to be continuously learning. And then um, having those combined things uh, all together, I think must have accelerated uh, in in making those uh, career progressions, uh, starting from internship to uh, my first role at, at the local uh, government visa, you know, at Hennepin County, that's where I started as an IT auditor, and then transitioned to the state government as an information security engineer, and then uh, finally got pursued by Best Buy, I should say that, because I wasn't looking for a role, but through LinkedIn, that's how they got me, uh, I think, ready for cloud security role, and that's how I made the transition uh, to my current role. Um, but, I mean, the thing that motivates me is that I, I like being in cybersecurity. I think I, I feel like it's an impactful work. Um, you're protecting citizens' data, you know, when I was working at the state, or you're protecting uh, reputation and um a corporate's or a reputation in terms of because um, it's, it's a lot of it is attached to the, the business's reputation. I mean, you're protecting that. Um, and then the work that I do in, in educating young kids is, is kids are the future. We, we know that. So it's uh, um, if you're educating one kid, I mean, that's a that's a huge impact even. So um, uh, I like the fact that, you know, the field is uh, always, uh, you know, evolving. I, I tend to get bored really quickly. Um, so I, I like the fact that learning new technology and just being in constant learning, I think that that keeps me motivated and um I, I think i feel like i i also have a good um connection on on linkedin that i i started you know in the midst of the pandemic again because i wasn't going anywhere so why not linkedin right so um i built up like a good connection that really uh supports me and that i learn from a lot so um and i go there for self reasons too because i want to get motivated and learn what's going on in the industry or the podcasts or the people that i look up to um that's where i found my mentor so i think um, it's a lot of factors into motivating, but um, it, it depends, right? Um, there's the burnout aspect to it, but then um, balancing those things, I think, um, and, and having like a passion while you're doing it, like uh, everything that I'm doing, um, I always say like, why do I get myself in trouble? Why, why am I doing a grad school after just finishing school? Like, I always say that, you know, um, it's, it's for my kids, especially my girls, that they can, if they want to do this, um, at, at least they have their mom to see as a role model. So I want to be a good mother to, to my kids and being a, a good role model, I guess, always motivates me. If that answers your question, Anya. Thank you.
It does. It does. Thanks for sharing that, Zanette. I think, you know, also, you know, you're, you're highly representative of that case in point. There is no defined path, whether it's tech or cyber or anything in between. You know, you can drive and create your own path. So oh, what you bring to the table, that, those professional personal experiences is going to help, you know, cultivate what you become and how you grow in that space. So thanks for sharing that. On to you, Katie. Ah, thank you. Sorry, I was um, in the middle of posting this on LinkedIn as well. Um, but um, now I'm back. Can you hear me? Okay. You sound great. Great. Okay. Yeah, I just didn't want anyone else to miss out on another minute of this conversation. What I love, though, is that replays are on. So and just doing a quick reset uh, for the room. Um, you're listening to the fireside chat with uh, Sunet, uh Kamal, who's the author of a children's book, which I posted here at the um, top of the um, uh, the, the page here said so that y'all have a chance to, um, you know, see where to, to get that for your kids or your grandkids or your nieces and nephews or, or friends in the neighborhood. Um, but we're here every single Wednesday. Um, we talk to all kinds of people in our space, um, whether they are authors like, uh, like Zanette or, um, you know, other uh, global CISOs, um, practitioners and, uh, social engineers and, and people doing all kinds of work in the, in the government as well. So, um, Always a, an interesting conversation, always different. Everyone's story is different. Um, so please follow us. Um, if you follow the Fireside Chat, if you just click on the, the little green box, um, you can uh, you know you can know when these are, are going to happen, who we're going to have, and, uh, and also be able to listen to those replays. Um, before I go into another question, though, um, I know, Tomas, you're, you're traveling. Did you have another question before you had to drop uh, off of the conversation? Okay, it seems like he, he's in listen mode at this point. So I'm just gonna go ahead and, and jump in if that's okay. Um, I would love to go back to another thing that is very inspiring to me about you. Um, and you said something that now it makes a little bit more sense. You're like, listen, I get a little bored. I, you're, you're willing to just say, I'd rather get tired doing something than um, and get it off my plate. <laughs> I wish I was a little more like that because I think sometimes I'm more likely to think about it rather than um, you know get tired doing it. Um, I just I find it really interesting too, just that um, that you also have a, a legal background, and then you know in coming uh, to to Minnesota, and then um, you know essentially starting over, really more pivoting and just a, a different career space. Um, with, um, you know, going into the data, data science, computer science, and then now getting your master's in cybersecurity. I'm kind of curious about, are you, do you feel like that, that law piece is still something that you're thinking about? I, the reason that's on my mind, I mean, we just saw today, you know, there's that now, you know, legal, uh, big legal ramifications for a CISO at a, a, a large company that, you know, was in every single newspaper today or publication online. So, as you look at cybersecurity, as you're nearing the end of your master's degree in cybersecurity and with a law background, what are your thoughts around the way things are trending um, from a legal perspective or the decisions you might make um, as a cybersecurity leader in the next few years? Yeah, I thank you, Katie. I, I mean, I studied law um, back home and I worked a little bit uh, on a government investment agency um for two years before i moved here so a lot of the 
uh, even though you know we learn uh, international law and human rights law, we it's basically a lot of it is Ethiopian family law, criminal law, civil law. But a lot of the, um, I guess, the transferable skills were find them helpful. Uh, and I, I wasn't I wasn't even mentioning them um, because I thought it's really different. Um, uh, field because because the lack of the math and the computing things that we learned because uh, like I said I didn't do a computer a cybersecurity program here so it was um, I find it very distinct and different but now um, when I was doing my undergrad um, I mean my grad school with Georgia Tech uh, it's a, a policy track so we're learning a lot of the policy and privacy courses as well and um it has different tracks to it to the program it has uh, information security track which i got accepted first when i applied that's the only grad school that i applied and i got accepted and um but i made a switch to policy track because okay i'm seeing a lot of the concepts that i'm learning at least you know the quote-unquote technical stuff through certifications because I pursued security plus network plus CYSA, CISA, CCSK related to, you know, cloud, a lot of the acronyms, I apologize, but it, you understand some of the, the certifications or SANS um, when I pursued to cloud. Um, I, I, I have those, but I'm not familiar with the policy aspect of it. That's why, like, after I got accepted to the program, two or two courses into the program, I made a switch. Uh, but the good thing is um, the program is very interdisciplinary. You are supposed to take courses from another track, from energy track um, as part of the master's program. So that has helped me um, into getting that, getting exposed to that uh, policy side of things, privacy. A lot of it is uh, with this academic, you know, <laughs> programs. A lot of it is like you don't get to choose some of the programs. So we learned about the historical, like internet history, all of those things too. I mean, those are those comes along with this one. But generally, the program is really good. So I, I got exposed to that. So, but I would say when it comes to the skills, I wasn't even mentioning that I have a law degree because I thought it's it's two different things. And because we also assume that a lot of the things that we're having back home aren't really valuable here, it might be. A societal thing that you know people assume that you know things that are outside of the u.s aren't like you have to start over unless it's really closer to what you're doing back home um so i, I started recently until 2018 i wasn't even mentioning that i have a low degree and when people start to hear it i remember it was my first um supervisor at the county he heard you have a low degree that's like impressive you know you should mention that like even in your resume when you apply because i transitioned from being an intern to a full-time job interviewing for that um it auditor role that was that was my first role into cybersecurity closest role that's how i was able to pivot uh from an it internship to an it audit um internship then ultimately to get a full-time job as a an it auditor so uh doing a lot of i i, I learned about the NIST cybersecurity framework the cis on all of those things while we were auditing um you know how controls are effective within the organization um and and doing the reports and the findings and um so th that's that that was the my 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 experience with that but i would say that a lot of it is uh, the communication skills, the essential skills that we're mentioning or the soft skills that we say that are important. I think I 
pulled those from my prior education because we tend to read a lot and then we also write a lot i remember we write like 10 pages for midterm and finals back home so um yeah i think i would say a lot of it is um um uh, mostly, you know, transferable skills used in this field, but I've also seen uh, a lot more people who are playing in that intersection of um, entertaining the legal aspect of it as well as um, uh, cybersecurity, because uh, cybersecurity is so broad and so many things. So uh, a lot of people, a lot more people ask me also, like, do you intend to combine those two or something? Like, oh, I'm not going back to school again. That's the, that's it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, hopefully I answered that question. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, um, yeah, the, the background for all of us on the stage is very diverse. And um, so it's it's always interesting to hear more about how, you know, that's not, you know, not only influenced where you were able to, to get your start in the industry, but then also how you're, you know, framing your decisions as you as you go forward. So yeah, thank you so much for, for answering that question. And, um, and what a better transition than the trans, uh, to, to hand the mic over to another attorney on the stage. Lisa Beth, over to you. It's so good to be able to talk about this. And I would um, welcome anybody who has questions. We're about to open it up to people. So if you can start raising your hand, um, that would be great. We'll start inviting you up to the stage. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to chat with you about is I know like you are um, with all the things you have going on in your life. Um, what do you do to keep yourself um aware of you know different trends what are you reading what are you listening to what's important for you in terms of your personal you know career trajectory and also um as a human being yeah good question lisa i am uh, big on podcasts i like to listen to things when i do something my husband is even telling me like you're getting addicted like to uh you won't do anything unless you're listening to something if i'm cooking something or like i said if i'm braiding my girl's hair um i'll be listening to podcasts there are podcasts that i follow um on linkedin as well as on spotify um that that helps me a lot in learning because i also noticed that my attention span is getting a lot more shorter than it used to be uh, so I get really bored when I'm watching like YouTube videos right um, uh, and then reading also you know because usually a lot of the like I, I wouldn't get because I get cold multiple times by my kids so it's hard to have like a, a longer span of doing things um, constantly but I learn better from conversations like this kind of conversations where people are sharing their stuff or talking about some concept uh, through conversation. So I like podcasts. Um, 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 I read things. I think I'm better at reading than watching a video for some reason. Like if it's longer than five minutes, I get so like um, I'm done. I mean, you know, I get it's it's so hard. I mean, I don't know why. Um, but I think everyone is reading, learning what is different, right? Um, some like to do videos, some like just listening audiobooks, don't like reading. So I think you have to have that, what is the medium for you that works for you? I try to do that. So uh, I listen to um, 
I try to keep up. Um, usually LinkedIn has been very helpful for me in terms of connecting uh, with people. If I'm not posting, I'm, I'm still engaging because um, I find it very um, inspiring and motivating to see the things that are getting posted or uh, helps me follow along what's trending within the industry. Um, I don't really have time to read. I have a bunch of books that I bought, but it's all, it's always like all the way half and then I'm not done and I start another one and they're just sitting on the, on the shelf. Uh, hopefully that will be corrected once I finish my school because um, it's always hard uh, when you're having uh, homework and deadlines every week, it's hard to find time to read. So uh, I always say like, I'm going to finish you when I am done with my school, hopefully by the end of next year's spring. Um, so um, other than school stuff and homework, um, I, I, I and I don't really um, recommend and enjoy like this um, fully fledged uh, readings that are, you know, for academic purposes, for example, for grad school, it's a lot of readings, right? So it's either I listen to the lectures quickly and then respond back to the discussions or just the learnings from um, people's discussion, like comments. Those are better for me. So, um, yeah, those are my main things. Um, it's it's sad that I don't have other things that I read on. I started a book called uh, The um, the Obstacle is the Challenge recently. Uh, hopefully, I, I at least I, I try to finish that one. But um, other than that, not much uh, other than school school stuff because it's so many you know when you're in school it's, they think that you don't have other life other than school so it's it's kind of hard but yeah thank you yeah I, I totally agree sometimes you just try to fit things in cram things in in the little quiet moments in between um i will pass it over to anil if you have any additional questions and then um i see that jennifer joined the stage so anil why don't we go over to you Thanks, Lisa. I'll, I'll hold my question for, for a moment. Let's uh, hand it over to Jennifer. Yahoo! Hi, Zanette. Great to see you. And uh, no, now that I know you're a fellow attorney, you're, you're even higher up in my eyes. Um, and I'm with you on the podcast. I think I listen to them like 16 hours a day while I'm doing just about everything. Uh, and I recently heard you on Mike Jones's Haunted Hacker. And he is um, another person that's passionate about kids and teaching kids. And I know he just did that. Um, I think it's a video for YouTube or Netflix that in addition to kids getting hacked and, and it takes over their avatars and such, it's sort of the, the demoralizing of these kids that worked and, and you know earned those levels and earned those those whatever it is that you earn in games. Um, and I also know that you are involved with Black Girls in Cyber, another you know, younger organization. Um, and then tying this back to your comment earlier about teaching kids and young adults this stuff um, and the, the fact that you know, m many parents may not even know this stuff or be aware of their kids' activities um, and that some of it can be very boring in school. Again, th this stuff is pretty interesting. So if it's boring, that's, you know, there's better ways to do it. And I'm wondering if with your kind of passions across those, um, seeing it across those areas, if you see going more towards that direction of education and resources for um, you know, kids and young adults and via their parents, if that's an, an area you're going in or direction you may go into. Yeah, hi Jennifer. I, I mean, I'm currently, I don't really have like a, 
a five, 10 year <laughs> kind of goal. But I, I, I always say when I get asked that, I, I want to be a thought leader within cybersecurity, like helping other people get into the field, uh, helping with diversifying the industry, because we all know that it's not a very diverse field. Um, and also educating the kids. I mean, that's something that um, was born out of necessity saying that like, we don't have enough books about those. Let's write it down. Let's tell our stories uh, with the hope that it would teach something. And I think the feedback that I've received after, you know, getting the books out was very um, encouraging. And I always come up with, I, I mean, ideas, but I'm like, oh, I'm not writing a third book right now because I have to finish this school. Um, but, you know, whenever you're too busy, that's when the good ideas come. Uh, so I try to like just write it down. And I was doing the same thing today um, for um, like a, the next book idea. And then I was writing it down, like, but not now, you know, that prioritizing and saying uh, no, not now is, 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 it can be powerful sometimes, very challenging too. So, um, I mean, I, I like uh, my work in, in cloud security, learning about cloud, but I would like to continue doing that, um, uh, you know, getting more um, books to the kids um, as a conversation starter, because that's what it is. It's meant to start conversation between a parent or, a, you know, a caring adult, a teacher uh, and a student to, to part in some of the important messages that we even are struggling as an adult to implement, right, security and, you know, implement this and that and, and just being aware of and how to be equipped better for the, continu you know, the continuously getting sophisticated. You know, uh, we are always hearing about organizations getting hacked, the big ones, small ones, individuals getting ransomed and all of those things, um, I think we can get head on. And I would like to do both, like building my career on the side, because like I said, I'm relatively newer in terms of um, getting my career um, built up uh, because it's like a restart uh, all of a sudden, you know, after the move, it's something that, okay, I have to go get into technology. I don't know where I'm going. Maybe I'll become a programmer and then doing the programming one and then pivoting to, or oh, maybe I'll, I need to learn more and then doing the four-year degree and then uh, discovering cybersecurity, like that's a very good, happy place. But um, uh, progressing that aspect of it, uh, growing um, and learning more in, in cloud security, like in, in the corporate aspect of it. But then also, um, I think it's very fulfilling and purposeful to also continue uh, educating the younger generation as well. So, um, yeah, I think uh, it's something, but uh, it's a priority that uh, just needs to get adjusted in terms of like, okay, what comes first? I need to finish this well. So, um, and it's not only the school and the, the books too. It's like, uh, I get invited to speaking places now and, and just prioritizing those things and making them happen. I think those are like a new uh, territory that I'm learning. Like I'm not a public speaker, but I'm, 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 I learned from my mentor that the only way to get better at public speaking is to do public speaking. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do another one of something that would make me uncomfortable and until I get comfortable. So just teaching that aspect of it also. So now getting um, a train and preparing for uh, how to be a, a better speaker or uh, even a TEDx. But like those are the things like I, I tend to aim high, but also um, and, um, celebrate that, you know, the smaller things that we're making to, you know, to get to our goal and the progress that we're making each day uh, matters the most, you know. So um, yeah.
hopefully I answered the question. Yeah, no, you did. Thank you. And I, I hear when you talk about it, I hear like the, the passion for your cloud security as well as the um, the, the education part of it. And I see it as beyond the um, the books, although, and, and those are great, but the speaking and if you're doing TEDx, that's awesome. Or you know, getting there and also just even working with organizations and schools, et cetera, on, um, you know, either one-off speaking engagements or curriculums, et cetera. And, and as you said, it's not something that needs to be done tomorrow. Um, you have a lot on your plate right now, but but it does sound like something that I think will be on your, your radar longer term. It, it just sounds like it with your passion in that area. Thanks so much, Zanette. Great to see you. Likewise. Thank you, Jennifer. Hey, Zanette. Uh, Vijay here. Joined a little late, but I've been enjoying your talk uh, so far. Fascinating journey. Worked in so many different, more than half a dozen different companies. I have a question for you around DEI, like diversity. Do you have, and you know, when I say diversity, it doesn't have to be gender, age, race, social background. It could be anything, right? But my question to you is, as you worked in multiple organizations, do you have a couple of practical tips to promote diversity in teams or organizations? That's my question for you. Oh, thank you, Vijay. Thank you for joining uh, and tuning in. Uh, th and thank you for that question. I, you know, it's my third company since I've been here. I, um, I worked back home, but here it's my third company and, um, and the nonprofit that I am uh, volunteering now in the board. Um, so if I get your question correctly, like what are some of the, the, the tips that how organizations can um, diversify the industry? Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. I just want to hear your journey, right? Because everybody's talking about this and everybody has different thoughts. But uh, you've got a, such a unique background that I'd like yeah. to hear your thoughts. Yeah, sure. I mean, until recently, we have um, only 11% of women within the industry. Uh, it's a good thing that it grew, I think, all the way to 24%. But I also learned recently through a LinkedIn post that we're losing some of the women because now the number is also um, going down, something to that effect. And then 9% of Black uh, professionals who identify as Black uh, within the industry are only nine nine percent, and I and I, and I would think that is a much lower number for Black women as well. So I think that is part of the reason why I joined Black Girls in Cyber, uh, and their their mission is to increase this in industry awareness and diversity uh, in cybersecurity, STEM, and 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 privacy um, through um, scholarship, mentorship, uh, conferences, and, and community outreach. Um, to create that pipeline um, and also creating uh, opportunities for entry-level transitioners. So I would say for companies and organizations, knowing this, I think can tap into, um, number one, because you mentioned, Vijay, about um, how everyone's path isn't a traditional one. A lot of the professionals that we know within cybersecurity are either you know coming from another field, so maybe not requiring degrees for everything that we're posting even though i am going for education it doesn't have to be always that way we can uh, there are numerous ways of learning and getting into cybersecurity. You could be pursuing uh, certifications or doing labs that are 
you know, that the professionals are very generous enough to share those free tools and some of the CTFs or, um, you know, by the way, cybersecurity isn't always about ethical hacking. You know, it's not only about pen testing. It could be there are GRC roles that are easier uh, to get an entry roles, uh, but for corporations to tap into this type of organizations who are doing the work to diversify and create a, a talent pipeline for organizations, I think tapping into those organizations and supporting, really supporting diversity um, and not talking about only gender and also uh, racially only, uh, even though we know those staggering differences, uh, but in terms of like, what can somebody from a different field bring it to the field to solve the this growing problem that we're having, uh, you know, and and because we hear in, within the industry that uh, we have this much number of, I think, seven hundred thousand people shortage. Um, I mean, the number always keeps getting bigger. Um, I don't have the latest number, but it's always getting huge. There is a huge gap between um, that huge talent that would remain open within the organization that we need to fill in this type of positions in this type of cybersecurity roles. But then on the other side, you hear, um, I have a master's degree, but I'm struggling to break into the industry. Like, I, I always don't know what the disconnect is between the two. Uh, it's either uh, has to do with personal br branding, because now um, a lot of things are um, that has a lot of um, impact. I, I've been hearing those conversations as well. Like you have to build your brand, you have to be known, um, you know, like it's networking is very important. You know, all of those things can maybe playing, but there is that huge disconnect. So I would say like organizations tap into other areas because those hackers, um, we all know recently what happened with the bigger organization um he he doesn't have CISP certification i'm sure he's he's only an 18 17 year old kid so if they can do it i think we should have a better way of um integrating the workforce to, uh, to make it um uh, to make it available for everybody so that everybody can feel like i do belong in this industry i can make contribution and impact in protecting um the nation uh, i mean it's uh, it's also a matter of national security i mean if you think about it and also protecting our data because identity theft is not fun and getting hacked is not fun so um we really need to work on diversifying in all aspects of it to get those diverse perspectives that we need to solve the problem that the industry is facing so i have to answer that question vj very cool. no you did very cool thank you so much kitty back to you yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, and I'm really glad you touched on that. Um, and that was a really insightful uh, question and answer. Uh, thank you for that. Um, uh, Nate, a frequent uh, member of this community, has joined the stage uh, since the last question. So, Nate, can you? Are you available to ask your question? Welcome. I am. If I can fend my dog off far enough from my <laughs> dinner, but uh, no. Zanette, thanks so much for sharing your story this evening. Look, Save I, your I've dinner, been, Nate. <laughs> eh, it's, it's safe for the moment. Um, look, I've been a huge fan of yours since a couple of months ago when you stepped up on the stage and shared some of your you know, initial insights for, for the books you've pushed out. I mean, it's absolutely incredible that you recognize that there, there's a way to improve the world we live in and you wanted to do something about that. And I absolutely love the conviction that you've you know delivered to actually you know put that in motion. 
being come a you know a, a I don't want to call you a newcomer at this point. I mean, four or five years in, you've you've been dabbling in the cybersecurity space for a good bit now. Um, what what have you been surprised about within our industry? And I guess you know better better put, what do you want to change next? Thank you, Nate, for the kind words. I appreciate that. Um, one of them is the one that I mentioned to answer Vijay's question, like the diversity of it. Like I would like that to get changed. I would like the women's participation to get um, at least close to 60%. Why not more, but at least, you know. Um, and um, the other, um, I mean, that's the, that's the main thing within the industry. And then also um, not encouraging like the gatekeepers and there are gatekeepers uh, within the industry. I think that's what I would call them because we need to um, um, make, uh, I think the, the entry to the field a little bit more accessible to people to, um, to um, navigate other ways of getting to the cybersecurity other than, you know, the education piece, like I wish, while more people are mentoring people. Um, and I know that the cybersecurity industry, like at least the, the one that I know in my network in LinkedIn, they're very helpful. They're always sharing free things uh, and resources and encouraging people to get into the industry. It's like, it's always common for me, like jumping LinkedIn and I always see the folks sharing, if you want to get into cybersecurity, you know, here are the free resources that you can use and you do belong. I think if I wasn't within the industry and if I were to restart this journey and if I had known LinkedIn, I think it would have been a lot more easier because, um, you know, there are people who are always sharing. For example, my mentor, AJ Ani, is always, I think he was a guest here too. He always talks about, you know, follow the people that you want to get, um, you know, the roles that you want to be in. For example, if you want to be a CISO, like follow the CISOs. What are they talking about? What are some of the roles that are out there? the job descriptions are saying what are some of the skills that you can build in and these are for experienced ones but for people who might be transitioning from another field with leadership skills those can be um, a good fit for a CISO role in the future if they want to get into cybersecurity or other type of things uh, other type of fields as well that can be uh, very useful so i would say the diversity of it and the the entry like uh, how are why are people have struggling to break into the industry um and then what else um nothing at top of mind but if i remember i'll, I'll add more nate no it's fantastic thank you so much i mean i, I couldn't agree more the the diversity inclusion aspect, I mean, is, has been top of mind for, for a lot of companies and folks, you know, and, and really for me, it's, it's how do we, how do we just spread the wealth and get more people involved to bring, you know, new thought, innovative approaches, their, their diverse backgrounds and the way they, they break down the problem set. And you're right. I mean, a, a lot of it stems from accessibility and how do we break down those barriers to make it accessible to those folks. So just really appreciate it. Thank you so much for sharing. Well, great. Thank you for asking that wonderful question, Nate. Um, it is, again, the top of the hour. So it is time for our handy dandy room reset. Um, for those of you who are just joining us, welcome to our Clubhouse fireside chat with Zanette. Um, she's an author and cloud security engineer and 
lives in Minnesota, like many, many fabulous people. Um, so I, uh, I hope that you're enjoying this. If you like what you're hearing, please feel free to click on the little greenhouse at the top of your screen and follow the Fireside chat group. And also by doing that, you'll know about all the things that we have coming up. Just as a reminder, we typically have these on Wednesday nights. So any Wednesday, feel free to join us. And we're now at the time where we invite people to come up to the stage and ask questions if you have them. Um, so feel free to come on up. We love hearing about what's on your mind and um, it, you know, learning new things from all of you. Um, I see that we have uh, joining us Encrypted. Um, I like the name. Uh, looks like from Dallas, Fort Worth, but Encrypted, what is your question for Zanette? Hey, Lisa. Hey, Katie. Howdy, fam. Zanette, thank you. I am so impressed by everything you've accomplished, your resilience. Like if I, you just define the, the word resilience, going through this and writing the books and raising kids is just, a, sometimes I, I, I start complaining if I get an email and a phone call at the same time, let alone having to manage all of that um, and do it all beautifully. And you make it seem like it's, it you know, it, it's second nature to you. So kudos to you. And I appreciate, I actually uh, glanced at the book, I snagged a copy, and I also passed it to a couple of friends who are hosting a uh, cyber awareness a seminar as a raffle. Um, I think it would make a really nice gift for folks. Uh, but I have two questions for you. The first question is, I know you said you go to the, you go to schools and, and author uh, talks. I want to hear the craziest question you've ever been asked because kids are, you never know what they're going to say. So my first question to you is, what's the craziest question you've been asked by a student? And the second question is, uh, if anybody walks into your house, what's the one thing that you have that if people saw you would think you're a little too paranoid about security, but you think it's something that should be normalized? This is encrypted and I'm done. Oh, wow. <laughs> I have to think a lot about those questions, but thank you so much, Encrypted, for coming in for all the kind words. I appreciate you. Um, uh, the author talks, okay, so the questions that they ask, they ask a lot of questions. And in between my readings, they ask a lot of questions and they interrupt. So um, usually my husband comes with me and he says, like, I don't know how you have the patience like to get interrupted this much and still carry on smiling. But when I get home, I'm tired. Number one, I'm introverted. But with the kids, I'm better, but I get tired. Like, so you let those little humans take all of your energy. Yes, I did. Uh, but it's so uh, fulfilling uh, and amazing but hmm uh, usually they say that like at the back of the book I I open it and I, sh I show them the um, the author I think she does look like me I don't know she said but it's you and I said no it's not me but they say it's you it looks like you and then um, they laugh about that but I, I don't recall at the top of my mind what questions that they ask me I'll have to think and get back to you um, the other question maybe if you don't mind me I uh, repeating that question you said if somebody w were to walk to my home uh, some of the things that I would watch out uh, as, a, as a security professional I know most of us are paranoid about a lot of things <laughs> but the one thing that you do that nobody else that you know does and it's a for, for you it makes perfect sense and you think it's uh, you know this that's how you should take IOT security or whatever the case may be 
might think freak out, like just like anybody else. I mean, if it's an intruder or is it, is it, is it if it's an, no, I'm um, talking about a, just a guest, so Zina, a guest, this is, um, something that you do that that's kind of your, uh, it, it's kind of a practice that you have within your household. Like you don't, you don't, oh, I see. I see what you mean. Yep. Yep. I get it now. Um, usually we don't have the IOT devices, um, um, but if, 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 um, I hope I got the question now because, um, we don't have IOT devices. Like we're, I'm always like con- conscious about those things. Um, even like for our kids when they were gaming, like we're, um, segregating, like segmenting the network so that they can play partly it's because of the speed, but also the security aspect of it. Um, and just always saying like my husband, he's always about getting the next new tech. Like he's always fascinated by those things. I am not. And when it comes to like, I have to get the new phone or I have to get, let's get something that's fancy that would make our life easier. But for me, it's like, what if it's listening to us or something like that, you know, like, um, but not too paranoid, but try to be, you know, like careful, uh, if that's what you meant, but I'll be happy to answer if I didn't address it. I think you did. Thank you. Um, I have a couple of friends, one of them, um, he would never give his children the Wi-Fi password and he would print a barcode. He's using an app and he has that barcode on the fridge. So they come home, they scan it and it automatically populates the username and password. That way he doesn't want to risk them sharing that password with somebody else. So this is something I thought I said a little extreme, but uh, it made perfect sense to him, and I think it's a, a it's a good security hygiene, especially if you have children. I was thinking, I, you know, maybe if you had something similar to that, but yeah. uh, but you answered. I I, I see, um, and this has been really insightful. I can't thank you enough for making the time to share your experience and expertise, and also Neil, VJ, and everybody else uh, asking the right questions and uh, and making it as engaging as it's been. And can we get an update on Nate's dog situation? Make sure who won, whether it's the dog or Nate. I would be interested. Having I would be interested in that update. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, y'all. Well, great. That was a great set of questions. Now, one of the questions that was in the chat is moving from legal to the tech side. What do you think what are the challenges with that leap? And, and, you know, a lot of people on these calls, I know sometimes talk about, you know, what if we moved from tech into legal? Um, What advice or what things have you observed um, as part of that process that you think would be helpful? Going back to legal uh, from security, I think I would say like, if it depends on the person's interest, like if you're interested into the privacy aspect, I would, I, I sometimes imagine like if I were to learn um, um, law here and, um, and know cybersecurity, I think there are great combinations uh, that would be very useful for organizations. Um, and just as a career for yourself, I think uh, it would be interesting, but I, I, I didn't go through that path. So I wouldn't know, I guess uh, it was the other way around for me uh, coming from the legal field to to cybersecurity. And it, it initially, it wasn't even the thought. It was just me just getting fascinated by technology and what it would do to solve uh, people's lives. And also, you know, just not having uh, that much of the access growing up. Right. Even um, in, in high school, we used to have computers for I think one hour per week and we would sit like one computer would be assigned to us for 
three to four students and my name is Z, so I would get more students assigned to ours, like to my group, sometimes it would be four students and we would be fighting to touch the keyboard. Like that has been my experience back home in a high school. And then when I go to law school, I mean, it will be just the readings. We don't have like the, the access to the internet. We don't have access to library because a lot of the people who find it interesting is also like, I didn't grow up uh, owning a children's book or having a children's book um, yeah. to, to, to the point of, you know, having a children's book my, my, of my own. I didn't think about that until I had my book in, in a public library for the first time in St. Paul here in Minnesota. And then I just, uh, my husband took a picture of it and then I was in the car and I was posting about it saying that, you know, I, I never grew up with a children's book. I never owned one, um, but I was able to- um, And Zina. Yes, sorry, can you hear me? Sorry. Yeah, I can. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. That's such a memorable, uh, story, right? How, how, how did you feel when you saw that? that your yeah. your book on in the library, right? Like it's yours. How did you feel? Yeah, that's that's the part where I was explaining, VJ. Like um, when it got when it got um, included into the library for the first time, I, my husband took a picture of that, and then I uh, I was in the car and I was about to post it on on LinkedIn or, or I think social media, and I, I I wrote. That's when it came out. Like sometimes you don't even realize like your experiences until some at some point. And I said, you know, because I remember I when we moved here. I um, intentionally, um, our apartment that we used to live is on uh, a public library building. So I, I would at least take my younger kids to, uh, for story time, right? Um, at least twice a week or something. And I just, I just used to get so fascinated by, I mean, I've always been fascinated back home. Uh, earlier, I mentioned about uh, not having the time now to read books, but back home, it's not having the books, but really wanting to have the books because I didn't have that much kids there and I have more time. Uh, so um, now it's like just getting fascinated by how, like, how do people create this children's book with this old illustration and people have access and they can take it for free at home and they can read it and return it back and they can have as much book as they want. Like that's been the fascination that like I had for years, right? Even before the idea of writing a book crossed my mind. So when I saw that and I went back to that same library and looking at the picture, I think you see it all usually on LinkedIn. It's like, it looks like it was taken by a professional, but it was actually my poor husband who I usually harass him to take good pictures of me. And they're like, take a picture with wow. me, like of me. <laughs> and then yeah. he took a picture of that. And when I posted, uh, that's when, um, uh, like it came into a realization that a lot of people commented saying that like that story gave us a goosebumps. Wow. So, um, wow. yeah, I think that's, that's amazing. how I describe it. Hey, Thanks, Vijay. Hey, your, your, your story has been amazing. Hey, listen, uh, if you don't mind, I want to switch cadence a little bit. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's, there's so many fascinating stories that you've been sharing. I want to, but we have limited time. So I want to, if it's all right with you, I want to shoot like, five, six very quick, short questions like fireside chat. Uh, and maybe you could give a response in like 20, 30 seconds and then we move on to the next question. Does this sound good, Zina? Yes, go ahead. Awesome, shout. awesome, mm -hmm. awesome, very cool. So question number one, uh, and I've got a 
dig a little bit into the personal side. Uh, so, what is your most delightful journey when you made the move from Ethiopia over here? Delightful, yeah. delightful one, yeah. one moment? Are you talking about yeah, one like, like, I'm sure, I don't want to say cultural shock, but you know, I'm, mm. I'm sure you would have found something. Oh, wow, this is different. So the weather, the del- weather, yeah. awesome. the weather. Yeah, snow in Minnesota. Love. I mentioned it in the beginning. You missed that. I talked a I lot about that. that. <laughs> I, I missed yes. that. Love it. All right. Second question. Uh, how did you focus on improving your public speaking skills? Uh, Could you share nice. one tip? Yeah, nice. Like I said, um, I'm taking on my mentor's advice, even though it makes me uncomfortable, just showing up and saying yes whenever I get invited to events because I'm getting those a lot and I'm trying to say no, but I'm trying to say yes and then um, improve in the process. So doing more public speaking to get over that fear. Love it. Question three, what are some of your, name two of your favorite hobbies. You did mention a couple of times lack of time in school, but if you did have time, what would you love to do? Oh, reading books and um, having more outdoor time with my kids. Like we, we try to go to parks, um, just play um, outside, just be uh, in the outdoors. Awesome. The next question, right? Like clearly, like, like a lot of people, you know, you're, you're juggling a lot of things, but you've been pretty successful at it, right? It's work, home, family, writing a book. Uh, how do you find time to juggle so many things? Yeah, um, you better believe it. I also have only 24 hours. But I think um, learning to delegate things, uh, I used to think that I have to be everywhere. Uh, but now I'm okay if my husband takes all four kids to Sky Zone, which they are right now. And while I'm doing this, otherwise I wouldn't be able to unmute. Um, uh, delegating that and knowing that I can't do everything. I think that has been helpful. And having a, a, a great partner like my husband is very supportive of what I do. Love it. Love it. Last question from me. Uh, let's say you won the lotto. All right. You got a few millions. What would you do next? What would you do next? Um, don't, I, I don't think I would even pursue that. But if I, if I get that, I'll just give it to charity. Uh, like, um, help the poor. We we hear a lot more unfortunate things in the world. Uh, so um, just help the poor and the needy, like the um, that are affected by uh, natural calamities that we're seeing constantly happening in our world, and just helping and supporting people. Super noble. Again, th- thank you. It's just been a delight, Kitty. Thank Odie. you so much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I love those rapid fire questions because we all want to get to know you so much in a, in 90 minutes and it can be really tough to get all the questions in. And actually, we have a couple of really great questions that have come up in the chat. So if I may, I'm going to speak for a couple of our listeners on the, the one at the bottom here, uh, George Comedy, um, or actually our guest last week. He's uh, at a conference. So he wasn't able to jump up on stage, but wanted to ask um, your career restart in cyber is incredible. And, you know, it's, is uh, loves the trajectory of success, but curious about the most instructive moments of failure uh, you've also had along the way. Um, and he's asking what mistakes or missteps have taught you the most? Hmm. Um, that taught me the most. Um, I think the fact that just going to school while being able 
trying to be a parent is very challenging in itself. Like I remember one time um, in the beginning, and this isn't this isn't even when I was in cyber. This is like in just in the beginning, like that first semester. Um, I was um, cooking in the kitchen and I had a, a, a fairly a newborn and then I was doing homework and then everything just got crazy, right? And I'm like, um, I'm not doing this. I'm just gonna, you know, and like I said, it's nighttime, the classes, and I'm trying to do this during the daytime. Uh, and I have a three-year-old at that moment. So, um, and at that time, we didn't know anybody. We don't have um, people. And the person who welcomed us also went back to um, Ethiopia. So uh, we were starting to get to know people, which we call family right now. But at that point, it was very lonely experience, even, you know, like postpartum, like just that was very lonely in terms of, you know, knowing a community uh, where I had my first child to the second one, where you know, I, 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 I have C-sections for all four of them because they, they always decide to be 11 pounds when they're born, all four of them. Like if you look at them now, they're just a normal kid, but they always get chubby and, 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 and I always needed the C-section, right? So the healing process, that's the reason why I'm mentioning like the method of delivery is that um, the healing process takes time and support. So um, uh, my husband, after he got me home, he had to go back to work because the, the person who hired him at that point, he was like, um, you have a new baby. Now you have to come back to work. So like he had to go back to work. It's like me watching a toddler. And then, um, at the same time, you know, watching a newborn, uh, that lonely experience, but that going back to that idea of managing that, um, being able to manage that during the daytime while working on a homework right that experience at one point i said like you know i'm not doing this and my my direct action is i collected i was taking three classes at that point i remember i think it was like basic introduction operating system and and i think html or something like that at that point it was really foreign to me because i don't have that in high school i didn't learn that any of those things so i just collected those put them in a trash bag that was my solution and and took them back to like directly went to like outside and then dumped it in the trash like don't do it that's not a good advice but i did that at one point like that that uh frustration in the beginning of not being able to understand that or like not being able to see um, the people you know that that look like you in in your classrooms continuously class after class in these uh, programs where people assume that you know when they see you in the university like uh, are you studying nursing um no it's computer science or computer program. they say oh that's different you know I, I used to get those comments too and and not being able to see that and just uh the intimidation of it where whenever we're working on some project let's say python or something like that and the students would talk about oh we had this exposure uh, we worked on this project when we were in high school and i look back and like i don't i didn't even have a computer like how do i get through this just that challenge of balancing um school and uh, in the beginning until i get used to it and um I would mention and, and that frustration of getting used to like coming from a totally different background to pursue something newer. I think those were the moments like that has taught me to be resilient in, in times of uh, when things get hard, you know. Um, uh, so I, I, I think that one at top of my mind. Well, George mentioned um, while you were speaking in the chat that moms are superpower or superheroes, full stop. So I don't know if that's your third book. I mean, I don't, I don't know if we're breaking news. If that's not, then maybe it could be your fourth book, Moms Are Superheroes. 
they are. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I certainly couldn't agree with you more, George. Uh, I agree. Moms are superheroes. And um, yeah, so thank you, Zanette, for that. And, and I think that um, you've touched on something that was kind of interesting to me, too. If I could just do one quick follow up, um, just on the whole, um, you know, diversity conversation we were having earlier, you mentioned that in school, people are asking you questions about what program you're in. And I can't tell you how many times, particularly earlier on in my career, that I was, I was not, uh, no one assumed I was at all in, in any, um, you know, engineering capacity or was just always like, oh, hey, um, can you please tell me where the bathroom is, um, marketing person or something, you know, just some, just that there was just an association within um, just for me, it was my, it happened to be my, my gender or my age. Um, but I think you just touched on something really interesting because earlier on VJ asked a question about, um, you know, how do we continue to navigate that? You're hitting the circuit a little bit more heavily. And I think that's awesome what you're doing too about, you know, just you only get better by repetition. It's one of the reasons that I came on the clubhouse uh, initially too, is just to practice getting better. One of my mentors, you know, is, is like the only way you'll ever get better is, is by doing that. Um, uh, Todd Fitzgerald actually is the first person who gave me feedback on my first um, speaking engagement in 2016. And he was like, eh, that's okay. <laughs> Keep doing it. Um, but I think that that's what's great. And that's why I really liked George's question about failure. I really liked what you had to say too about, you know, we're still experiencing this. You this by people asking that question. Um, we experience it in the cybersecurity space. What do you think that we need to do as an, you know, what, what can we do to be better um, in, in, in the types of programs? You mentioned a couple that you are already involved with. Are there any other organizations that you've run into in being asked to speak at more um, of the conferences where we should be aware as a cybersecurity community of um, some newer organizations that are out there that we that could make us more cognizant of this? Yeah, I think um, outside of Black Girls and Cyber that I got reached to just be a volunteer in the board by the founder. Uh, but I, I think I also know about Empower Cybersecurity. That's also for women. Um, I know that a lot of the men ask me, like, is this only for women? Um, yeah, but there are organizations that are also Blacks in Cyber Security that there are um, nonprofit uh, organizations that are doing the same type of work, like providing that pipeline or training, the certification. Um, I think supporting those organizations really means a lot uh, in terms of um, um, helping those students or transition career transitioners to be able to get into the, the field. Um, I think that support comes to mind. Um, uh, but there's also uh, Black Girls Hack. I, I think it's important finding your community. I think it helps with, um, it's better than doing it isolated. Um, I mean, I didn't know about, about it when I was pursuing. It was like me going to class. Um, I tried and try to survive the doing internship part-time because at one point I almost, um, because schooling the kids and part-time internship was a lot at one point but I, I I thought you know hey I'm I'm a new person within you know in a new continent basically in a new industry trying to get into that workforce even because um that transition is very very um it's it's a lot of change for for an individual so getting a community to get that and knowing someone speaking about your challenges and I think uh or the support even like when you're about to quit that encouragement I think has been very 
I think that's very valuable for people who are doing this because I didn't have that uh, when I joined and that's coming from not knowing because I was just focused on um, the kids or, or just finishing up school or doing the internship and being able to get that um, America experience, right? I didn't have that uh, initially. Um, I, I really appreciated that IT internship at a local government because it's a huge um, transition for me again you know, from staying and talking to little humans at home, three kids, and then being able to, um, you know, to fight off not singing the kids songs that I just forcefully memorized all the wills on the bus and everything, just being able to understand um, the work culture here in the US. And then also getting the experience that is needed, like in the IT space for a couple of months, transitioned uh, within, and then also moving on to a uh, the cybersecurity space once I knew that that has been my interest. So um, I, I think I forgot the original question. I was moving here and there, but the, yeah, the organizations, right? Um, Empower Cybersecurity, I think Tia Hopkins, she's the founder. I think there are a lot of professionals who are, who, uh, who are doing uh, the work um, in this area, like to to increase industry awareness and, and diversity within cybersecurity, STEM and, and privacy uh, as well. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I mean, we talk about, uh, I never like to talk about something and then not really, you know, you, you mentioned empowerment as being kind of one of the baselines. And I just want to make sure we're empowering, you know, our audience who's listening and anyone listening to the replay um, with, you know, opportunities to, uh, to get more involved as well. So that's, that's why I asked the question. And thank you for the answer. I appreciate it. Yeah, Over you're welcome. You're welcome, yeah. Katie. And I just remembered uh, one thing, like share the mic and cyber campaign. That mm -hmm. has been really valuable. I forgot to mention that one. And I know that October, um, that is coming up. Uh, Camille Sart now, uh, who's at, at a White House, she's a director there for a cyber national cyber defense, uh, something I forgot the title, but she's over at White House. She and Lauren Zibrick, they started uh, this initiative to, to create, uh, I think it started in 2020, uh, late 2020, at least that's when I found out. Uh, I think this is the fourth or fifth iteration of it where they um, combine um, uh, a black cybersecurity practitioner within the industry, whether men or women, and then um, uh, pair them up with uh, allies. And then for that day, share the mic and cyber, they would talk about uh, that, um, person's achievement, what it does, it just introducing like sort of like a social media takeover kind of thing. And then they would, uh, and that has been a really uh, great experience for me getting paired up with different professionals and allies who are just uh, advocating on your behalf for that day, I guess. And it's been, and, and, and it continues beyond that as well, because a lot of, through that exposure, I think sometimes for people, it's about the exposure and just showing the support and showing true allyship. I think that has been helpful. So uh, for this year, October 21st is going to be happening. And I have been paired with uh, another professional um, Bryson board. So um, looking forward to that. And I just want to throw out there. So getting involved in those things can also uh, help you with getting a lot of opportunities as well and uh, a way for allies to help and support. Well, I, you know, the unfortunate reality right now is that we are kind of coming to the end of our time and we usually like to wrap up with what advice would you give your younger self? 
I would say um, the opportunities are endless if you um, have a positive mindset and uh, how you would like to use your time, how, uh, I mean, I would say just, um, uh, there are a lot of endless opportunities and just seize the moment and uh, thrive and uh, be awesome. I think that's what I would say, like as a younger self, but uh, most, I think uh, when we moved here, I think I have a lot more stories when, when we moved here. <laughs> I I used to like, uh, so my husband, when he goes to the office, um, I used to like prepare his coffee and, 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 and I learned also driving after I'm, I moved here. Right. And I, I still don't like driving in the highway, like that speed of it. I don't like it. And one time, I think it's after I had my third child, it might be the postpartum talking, but I gave him his coffee and I was saying goodbye to him. And I was like, I want to be doing what you're doing when, um, you know, when I'm done my school. I mean, at that point, it seems so unachievable. Like, um, who would want to hire me? Like, uh, the market is so, like, uh, there are a lot of people who are experienced. Like, I used to have those feelings, um, you know, that, but I would just still finish and learn and uh, and make something out of my time because I, I am not one who would like to uh, waste time. Uh, like, I think that's very valuable and it might be coming from being a mother because uh, a lot of things that um, are can be unpredictable with kids, right? Uh, that's why, like, I am... One thing if I'm not is I'm not a procrastinator. If I have to do something, I have to do it and get it done uh, if I can, if, if it can be done today. So uh, that would be the advice that I have. But at that moment, I told him, like, I want to be like you, like being able to comfortably go to work outside of home and then just take my coffee and then be comfortably driving and uh, working in, in the area that I like. And then he said, like, you will. And, you know, at that moment, it, it didn't seem to be achievable. But now he says that, like, you just uh, started and restarted your career uh, less than five, four years. And you're almost making as much as I'm making, if, if not more. So, like, he's like, I'm so proud of you, you know. So I, I would say, like, um, uh you know, you, if you're passionate and if you do want something, it's all a matter of how much you want that something so you, you can achieve that and um, and be um, the person that you want to be. So I would say, like, achievable. Um, thank you so much. Well, I think that is a great note to end it on. Thank you so much for coming and sharing um, yourself tonight, uh, Zanette. And we look forward to seeing everybody here next week at the next Fireside Chat. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate you all. Yeah, great. Thank you. Cheers. Have a great week, Bye. everybody.